Hey everyone, welcome to Reality TV Rehap Ups for the Season 7 finale of The Amazing Race Canada. My name is Jessica Lease, and here with me to break it all down is Mr. Dan Heaton. Akamemuk, Dan Heaton. Yes, Akamemuk. Congratulations, Anthony and James. You have proved your mastery at hovering 20 feet above the ground and throwing a hacky sack or a ball. Or I don't know what that thing is called, but good job. Nice finale, packed finale with tasks. They even remembered who got eliminated on leg one, Jess. It's incredible. Man, I didn't even remember Jet and Dave were on this season. <laughs> the show was like, remember Jet and Dave? The teams won't. And then they did. Um, really odd episode. I mean, just, I mean, fun and packed, but the tasks were all over the map, Jess. They were literally all over a map in one case. <laughs> that is, I didn't even mean to say that, but that's true. You know, we got we got game show host John. I mean, so much to unpack here. But of course, our winners. How do you feel about your prediction, your winner pick streak ending with this finale? How does it feel? Boy, it, it's it's disappointing. I, I have to say I, I hit like, I think, three, four, five and six in a row. And then to have it all end at season seven is very demoralizing, except for the fact that the next team that I drafted in the draft after Sam and Sarah was James and Anthony. And so I can't be too mad at that. Yeah, well, if you think about our draft, barring my Jet and Dave pick, we actually did pretty well because we had Sarah and Sam. Lauren and Joanne was picked number four. Not to get too much into it, but we did pretty good, I think. We were, I mean, Dave and Arena even were in the top half. We were kind of on it. But yes, first time on the podcast that your pick has not come through. They were only second. How such a failure, Sarah and Sam. Ah, silver medalists. So disappointing. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it was weird because the, all the teams were close most of the way, but you did kind of get a sense. This was not one of those team runs away with it. We never see the other teams. It was close, but there wasn't a lot of total swapping. There was literally zero swapping. Everybody started in the exact same order they finished it. And I don't think anybody ever passed anybody for a hot second, which makes it a hard hour of television to watch. It just feels like they're not even really running. They're just kind of marching to the end. Yeah. And the tricky part there is, is that I look at the tasks and some of them, I feel like there was no real way to gain. And we can go, we'll go through each one for sure. But then there were other ones where I thought, particularly the one roadblock where I thought this is the moment when something could happen. So it's one of those things where it's almost like Anthony and James being very competent in everything and not making a mistake made it seem inevitable. But that's kind of the big question I feel like hanging over this finale, which is, was it bad leg design or not set up well and where one team that got on that first plane was going to win? Or was this just a case where the team that was better this time just hung in there? Well, I think it was kind of a little of both. I do think we might have seen a little more swapping if we hadn't seen Lauren and Joanne lose their clue and end up driving all over Ontario to find it. Um, I do think the tasks are not bad in and of themselves. They don't have the spectacle that I expect out of finale tasks, which was a little hard to watch, I think. But I can't complain too much. They were okay tasks. They were fine. It was just, I expect more out of a finale, I think. And I think better tasks would have given 
them more opportunity to switch up the order. I think that's right. I think especially the second roadblock was a was a real I mean though I I kind of want to go there, but was a real issue there in terms of not allowing it because once we got past that first roadblock, everything for the most part had kind of a set time that you were going to do. And in terms of Epic, it's one of those things where I do appreciate the fact that they made them do so much. I mean, there there was a point where they didn't even really ramp up the kind of race to the finish of who's going to get it, who's going to get it, because there was no time left. They basically got to the point where they finished and there was a little bit of, let's go, we can do it. And then they were there. So I think I like the fact that they did so many things. But I think what they did is really hit or miss. You know, there's a few things I liked, a few things not as much. But I I think that it was, I don't think it was a terrible finale, especially if we go to the U.S. There have been some finales that I really just kind of yawned. I thought this was entertaining. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, where it was just like team, you know a really old man just kind of just runs ahead and they, nobody can catch up, you know, and how dare you speak ill of the elderly, Dan? <laughs> it's terrible. It's the worst. <laughs> so a lot of the U S ones there had, there was a stretch in the mid twenties, not every single one where I felt like there wasn't a lot of uncertainty. This wasn't on that level to me. This really kind of just falls down a bit because I feel like the amazing race Canada in general has done pretty good with finales, especially I think of season four had a really strong finale. And last season, I remember being a very good finale. So I think this is just a case where it kind of only hurts in comparison to some really good ones they've done in the past. Yeah, I would agree. I think they've been really on it in the past. And to end up, we spent so much of this season in fourth grade social studies class with like very useless educational hyperlocal tasks that to have a few of those tasks in the finale felt really underwhelming. But at the same time, there were some fun things to look at and I can't complain about the location at all either. Yeah, I mean, it was a gorgeous location. We didn't spend it running around Toronto or at like a sports stadium. You know, that was nice because that happens a lot. And so they went to some cool spots and I feel like I enjoyed it. It went by really quickly. But I think it does kind of fit with the overall season and how it's been. You have three teams that I like, which fits with the task being very, or with the cast being very strong and they're having fun. They're doing good things. They're good at what they're doing. And everything does seem, like you said, pretty hyper local, which it fits with kind of the way this has gone. I mean, John said it in the introduction where he's like, Canada comes back home. And, and really they're focusing on that, which is fine. You've got to spin it. But it did kind of feel like, okay, the season's done. I like the winners, but it didn't feel the same even as last season. Yeah, agreed. But let's let's talk about the choice of location here, because there's really only one thing I know about Muskoka leading into this leg, um, and that is that it was the hometown of season two winners, Mickey and Pete. Wow, they really missed an opportunity here to have Mickey and Pete be there for no one to actually recognize them. So right? that, that's, that's really a miss. Come on. So I guess some teams, like if like if Arthi was around, she would definitely recognize them. But some of the other teams, mm, maybe. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about these top three and their 
long storied history as Amazing Race fans. So maybe that's for the best that that didn't happen. But this is a beautiful area. And I think they highlighted it at the time when Mickey and Pete were on. They talked about how Muskoka was kind of this adventure travel capital of Canada where there's lots of kind of fun outdoorsy things. And that definitely tracks. It was really beautiful. And we got an opportunity to see a lot of very striking things. Yeah, I agree. I think I think everything about it, like when I say hyperlocal, I don't mean, oh, this was boring or oh, this was this was not on the level of going to wackies or something. <laughs> but it's, you know, I kind of like wackies, but um you know, it was things that are interesting to look at. Even the final task when they're doing the agriculture, huge area at this farm, not something that looked like it was on the cheap. It was gorgeous. Santa's village. I mean, Santa's lives in a really nice place. So there's, <laughs> there's lots of <laughs> things so. that you're doing. Yeah. It, um, but I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I will say just they did a good job. I think picking the area, given the landscape of the season. I think the choice of Muskoka was inspired. It was a good one. Yeah. Uh, super Canadian. I think this was a very super Canadian season. So I that tracks. But anyway, let's go up to the top of the leg because I think yes. we need to talk a little bit about Lauren and Joanne and the missing clue. Um, did you think that they handled this well? And uh, is there anything they could have done differently in this moment? Yeah, it's tricky because part of me thinks like you saw the first two teams. They they were trying to figure out, OK, we need to go to this executive terminal, a.k.a shells place again but you see these teams and they didn't seem to have a huge hard time finding it so my thought is you're at an airport you i know that they couldn't they lost the clue and they didn't have a great memory of it i think that was probably one of the biggest issues was yes i think they said executive and they were kind of saying some of the same words but they just seemed to i think just in an effort to get moving they didn't remember the phrase exactly. And I wonder, too, if the clue had additional information, because like we said, the clue clues often have an extra sheet that gives you more background. So maybe there was some not an address, but something more about Shell or about something. And they just didn't spend time reading it. So that's one part of it. I think the other part is it's the finale. And I think you're going to get more stressed out here. And it's especially first thing. They haven't even really done anything. And they're trying to get to this really important Cliff Bar sign-up board. And I think they just got so flustered that that probably hurt their chances. Now, whether this was the killer or this, they couldn't come back, it's so hard to know because we just don't know how long it took. But the show and what the way they acted make it seem like it took a really long time. Yeah, and I think in the moment... Especially if you've ever seen the show before, you have to think that you've just knocked yourself out of contention right out of the gate. And I think that can probably feel much heavier than it is. Arguably, they could have had a chance if another team had screwed up or if they'd made up a little more time. I think they might have had a chance at it. But I think we've seen this happen so many times in so many seasons across many international versions of this program where the final leg, one team goes out of it real quick. And if you've ever seen that happen, you have to think in the moment, oh, I just did that. And that's got to that's got to hurt a lot. And in the hands of a shell station, no less. Like, let's just 
pile on, like have the corporate sponsors frown on you for that while you're at it. But <laughs> who knows? Maybe they would have felt better if they'd eaten a cliff bar. I don't know. I mean, I did appreciate Joanne's kind of the way she handled it, where she basically told her like Lauren, understandably so, was like basically thinking in her head, I just ruined the whole race by losing the clue. This is my job. And Joanne's like, you dropped a piece of paper. And I know, I mean, it's that doesn't mean it's not important. But I like it kind of reminds us of why they've even done well. And, you know, being sisters in their relationship is she had a good attitude about it because there are teams, especially not sibling teams, but teams that if that happened, oh, my goodness. I mean, we've seen teams lose clues in finales, actually. But, you know, um, season two of the U.S. version with being the most glaring example. But. This was different in a sense because like we talked about up front, the teams are all very competent and this leg did not offer you a lot of opportunities. So I feel like we see this a lot, but it's usually like a team drives the wrong way or they can't get a cab or they get stuck on one task. This just really hurt because I kind of had a feeling I'm like, I think this is going to be it for them. I don't think they can catch up. And I feel like they didn't even really get a chance. Well, the good news is that they actually did end up, they didn't go full Guido on this, which is nice. Uh, We did actually see them at tasks with other teams, albeit not necessarily for very long, but at least they were still semi in it. Yeah, I agree. And that is true. Like even I was kind of watching very carefully when we got to the roadblock where for a while they had, they were doing a lot of cutting back and forth. And I thought, huh, are these teams really doing it? And then there was a shot with all three of the players who weren't competing who were all there standing and that kind of that was reassuring to me and then again too they showed up at the giant board game and the other teams were still there but i think the other teams were far ahead so that one reinforces the fact they probably weren't lost or weren't behind as long and two maybe if joanne really just was a master at that roadblock they still might have had a chance, but there was a real learning curve to that, too, when we get to that. That's true. So do you want to go right into this memory task? Because I thought it was fun to have a memory task at the front of the final leg rather than the back of it, which is how we usually do these things. I did like that because I feel like usually you're kind of building up to it where a lot of times you'll have it where the first 30 minutes of the finale when teams don't get completely out of it is almost leading up to the memory task where it can come down to when they're super diabolical. And we've seen a few on this show where all the teams get there and it's basically a free for all. We're here putting it early. You know, it's kind of a weird thing because I feel like putting it early creates more excitement early on in the leg and kind of throws teams for a loop. But in a sense, that may have also contributed to how we finish, where you kind of peaked with the memory task and then went from there. But I don't know. I found the trivia to be a very wide range of difficulty. And it seemed like at first I thought teams were each doing it separately and that they would each get the same questions. But it sounded like it was more random and teams like they had multiple questions for each leg. Right. Yeah. Well, I think there were multiple spaces on the giant board for each leg and you had to collect one space off of each leg. And I think it was kind of random what question you'd get based on what you landed on. And I liked that there was also an element of random chats to that because it didn't even, it wasn't just that you had to know what happened on every leg and know like each aspect of the leg. You also had to land on the right spots at the right times. Yeah. They had to roll those giant dice. 
Which <laughs> I, I really enjoyed Anthony asking, can I get some of these for my house? And John being like, yeah, if you win the race. <laughs> you know that after the, the show aired, Anthony's going to be like, uh, John, um, what about those dice? And John's like, I, what are you even talking about? I barely remember the fact that we filmed this season. Um, I did, <laughs> I did enjoy. Yeah. I like the fact they had to roll the dice. I like they had the roadblock detour root marker thing. I did enjoy that. Even the questions called out that there were a bunch of legs where there were no detours, which I thought was interesting. That became a trivia question. It was all by design. Jess, the no detours were just for this. Well, anytime we feel like the amazing race is random and capricious, we need only point to this because there is an order and a reason for everything. Yeah. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, the fact that there was a question about leg one, like when they had that question about um, who got eliminated and I thought, man, this is going to be just a joke. And then there were some other ones that I thought were a lot harder. Some were not like how many individual letters are in goats on roof. Oh, boy. I mean, I, the trick there is you don't I you have the thought where you just want to say every letter, but they did not. Sarah and Sam did not fall for that. So it was a variety, but it was kind of a, a unique way to do it, especially because they could fly in on the plane and they could see on the aqua plane, which was cool. But I think they could even see the board when they were flying over it, if I remember correctly. Well, at least they were trying to make you think they could. I, th I, I think they could. though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so here's the interesting thing, though. If you think about how this like leg of television was structured we spent a good 15 minutes of the show not including commercials before we got to this like really all they did in the first 15 minutes is they got on a plane they talked a lot about wow it's amazing that we're in the finals they were all happy they went to a sign-up board they flew on a plane so again and and the thing is that sign-up board so important remember we've talked about the whole do the thing Yes. Do you think they should have done the thing before they got to that plane? Because granted, the separation wasn't huge, but that was there was a lot riding on that plane ride. I think they should have done a thing. But as you correctly note, uh, being able to see that giant board as you're flying in is a pretty cool shot. I think there should have been some kind of challenge aspect to whatever they had to do before they got to the sign up board, because I think this is the same issue we run into with like U-turns. And I feel like you need to prove yourself as a competitor before you are incentivized, before you are given some kind of reward. Yeah. And I don't even totally understand how Anthony and James got ahead by the editing. Because and I know I'm jumping back a bit, I, but um, because it seemed like they were behind and then all of a sudden they got there first. And I guess it was a cab thing. But again, we're putting a lot of onus on the cabs. So I don't want to overstate it. I just thought that was interesting that it took us a while to get to this point. But I did enjoy the board, big board games for me. You know, sign me up for those. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not mad at it. I, I enjoyed that. I think I think it was fun to watch. And not every memory task is. Yeah, counting giant crates in a shipyard, not as exciting as this. Yay, math. <laughs> so I guess, you know, they kind of yada yada the end of this game. It was like it was they had to say have a few questions. You know, I would enjoy knowing what a lot more of those questions were, but I know we only have the one hour finale, a limited amount of time. So we just had to run right onto the roadblock here. 
And you know, Dan, if I were the digital content manager for CTV, I would build them a flash game that let you play that game at home. But I'm sure they can't afford me, so it's never going to happen. (laughs) I would enjoy playing that game at home. I would probably do very poorly, though, even though we've watched the show and podcasted about it and are not as stressed as the racers. I wouldn't miss the Jet and Dave question, but some of the other ones, we'll see. What are you talking about, Dan? We are experts. We are Amazing Grace Canada experts. We are like the authoritative source of knowledge when it comes to this program. We would ace it, obviously. Of course. (laughs) So, Roadblock, who's got this one in the bag? So, that's a very tenuous connection to what (laughs) actually happened in this Roadblock. But I have to say this might be the coolest looking Roadblock I've ever seen. It reminds me of like, I'm trying to think of a movie Like you think of like X-Men when like Magneto like somehow is like floating and grabbing all the metal and this you're like floating on the water. It was really cool and looked super hard. So I like it. This was to me, no offense to the memory game, but this was the like most epic or kind of fun, hard task in the finale. Yeah, this was this was the spectacle task. This was the bungee jump of its season. and. It looked like the future. I didn't know these things existed. I didn't know you even could do this. And so that was really fun to watch in that regard. Yeah, it's an extreme sport that's overtaking the nation. How have we not heard about this? It's everywhere. Is this this another weirder Canadian thing? (laughs) I don't even know. I mean, I think, I don't know if I'd say it's got to be something that's beyond Canada, but now it makes me want to like Google whatever the name of this thing is. It's called Hydro Flyboard. I don't know. It's linked on Wikipedia. Hydro Flyboard. Hydro Flight Sports. Not just Canadian, though. (laughs) Yeah, they, they have world championships in Dubai. If they had world championships in Toronto, I would call that hinky, but apparently this is not just a Canadian thing. This is something I would like to do, though. Judging by how everyone did, I would be doing a lot of the falling. I My favorite moment of this, though, has to be the moment when finally James gets it. And Anthony and James are leaving on the boat. And you have this amazing shot of them going away on the boat. And in the background, we have Sam falling and going, oh, <laughs> <laughs> they showed it in the preview briefly. And I don't know if that sound was piped in from another time but it was like this perfect moment and they were just like yep we're out of here and you see sam just failing again and again and again brilliant amazing race canada editors just brilliant i mean they definitely piped in at least one wilhelm scream but there was one shot of sarah saying you look like a superhero sam and then he face plants into the water (laughs) i wonder how much that hurt i mean you're up pretty high that can't feel great to fall down no, that's got to be that's got to be uncomfortable. Uh, you could indeed bust your face. Yeah. And then Sam, who's afraid of heights, gets to do this while later Sarah, Sarah gets to just go find Santa. You know, yeah. I, I think he lost out in this. This is the weakest roadblock I've ever seen. But before we get to the roadblock, we have yeah. to spend a moment to talk about the official weirder Canadian segment for the week. So let's let's hit it, John John. Dan, did you know that in Canada, an Adirondack chair is called a Muskoka chair? I did not know that. 
I, you know, part of me likes the giant chair, but then part of me thinks, really, they're going to build furniture again. Why do they do this on so many finales? I don't understand it, Jess. I mean, it's it's basically it's a giant puzzle. It's like, on the other hand, if I wanted to watch people build furniture, I could just go to Ikea, right? Basically, because I know they did this. They did not build a giant chair, but in Amazing Race 27, the finale, like the big moment is they built like a chair on the beach. And I thought, why is this in the finale? But really... I thought this was fine. I think, you know, it does connect to the area and you did get to see, you know, they had this great moment where, of course, Anthony and James are experts and Sarah and Sam, apparently Sarah has never used a drill before. And Sam, while he had used the drill, I'm guessing has not used it very often because we did have some fun moments with the two of them struggling for a bit. Sure. But. You know, we could also watch them do that at home if one of them bought some flat pack bookshelves. <laughs> so wait, we played the drop, though. Would you call this? This seems like this is more Canadian than weird. It is. I feel like maybe the Hydra flying was maybe we kind of wasted our weirder Canadian. and We should have used it on the Hydra flying because that's way weirder. And there's way yeah. more of a question. This is just Canadian. It's not necessarily weird. Although I feel like it would have more of a tie to the area if they were the Adirondacks. Yes, that's true. And also, just in case you're wondering, in Ontario, there is a 21 foot high chair, which is the world's largest Muskoka chair. Just something that you should know in case you're trying to plan your trips. It is in Gravenhurst, Ontario. That should be where we go next, I think. Yeah, I I, I think so. But I, I've seen some of those like giant eight foot chairs. They seem to have them in a few places around here. And FYI, if you get up in them, they're very hard to get out of. <laughs> this is not a Dan Lembo situation, though, is it? It's exactly what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. I just, you know, I think sometimes about Survivor Dan's and that always comes up about how Survivor Dan's are terrible. And that one, that is the one shining moment for Dan. But back to this. So it seemed like this did not have a huge impact on the placement. I think that the show really kind of presented Anthony and James as being much better than Sarah and Sam. But to my thought, I think probably they didn't gain that much. This seems like more they left about the same as they began. Yeah, it seemed like everybody was perfectly spaced out throughout the duration of this task. And it didn't get any better when they moved on to what I might contend is certainly the weakest roadblock I've ever seen in an Amazing Race finale. <laughs> but I think it might also crack the top 10 as far as weak roadblocks in the Amazing Race period. Yeah, this is like a speed bump, basically. This is what this is, you know? I mean, you got to go find an elf and they all have candy canes. And granted, this reminds me a lot of a Holiday World, which is in Indiana, in Santa Claus, Indiana, which is more of a full-on amusement park, but has certain areas that look just like this. And so part of me is like, I'd like to go there and kind of see all this weird stuff, but I'm not sure I want to watch it on my Amazing Race show. It was goofy. But I feel like goofiness, this is great if we see this in like six, but the last roadblock. Ugh. Yeah, this is not a great look for the last roadblock. I mean, Dan, you just got back from Disney World. You could have gone to Winter Summerland and played some mini golf and it would have been more exciting than this. I know there's so many options that we could have done, you know, but this 
I appreciate the goofiness of this part. There's a part of me that looks at this and says, what a strange place. <laughs> I mean, not strange. <laughs> like I haven't seen strange places like this, but I'm glad this place exists and they got to go meet Santa. I mean, this is not, I mean, we've seen finales where they took a picture with, you know, president Obama where they met <laughs> Wayne Newton. I mean, there's been some strange things in the finale, but meeting Santa, some of those I think were not roadblocks. Those were more like go to this place. But this is definitely in the go meet Wayne Newton kind of area, I think. The main difference being that I'm 95% sure that was not the real Santa Claus. Well, <laughs> wasn't there? I thought you were going to say the real Wayne Newton. No, that <laughs> wasn't was the like, real no. Wayne Newton. Because, <laughs> he, you know, he looks a bit different than he did when he was younger, I will say. But well, so does Santa Claus, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, yeah, I mean, you can see, listeners, by the fact that we're really just talking about everything but what happened. This was a situation where, yes, there were multiple places where you could find the candy cane. And yes, it's a pretty big park, but I have a feeling it was spread out. Basically, my impression, I don't believe the editing that Lauren found it in two minutes and everyone else took a while. I think that's, again, try. I mean, maybe she was a little faster, but trying to kind of beef up the fact that maybe they could catch up. But in general, this felt like kind of, okay, if teams arrived at the exact same time, maybe they save a few minutes, but you even saw it. Sarah was with Santa, was with Santa. Sounds weird. Sarah <laughs> arrived in Santa's cabin right while Anthony <laughs> was doesn't still, sound any less weird. <laughs> <laughs> while Anthony was still giving his Christmas list to Santa. So basically, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is in the finale. But basically, um, they were right together. But still, just the time that it took to do that, because I assume there was a bit of a production there, again, got Anthony and James ahead. So it, we saw them together, I think, but I, it probably didn't make a huge difference. No, I mean, you, you know what, I, you know, the thing I say about uh, you can't assume that anybody's remotely close to each other unless they're in the exact same camera shot. And that really only happened once. And there were a lot of other moments this leg where they were trying to make that happen and it was not actually happening. And it was very obvious. Yeah, there was a lot this leg of the. Uh... We got this. I think we heard Sarah and Sam say we got this, which, of course, is actually the mantra of, of a different team. That no, that's got we got this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> another different team. That was another different that team. Was, that was actually the mantra of the, of the moms. So they're not here. So they, but, but honestly, when you see the team that's second or even the teams at third over and over and over saying we can catch up, we can catch up, we can catch up every once in a while. Like there was a leg earlier this season where Lauren and Joanne did that. And all of a sudden they passed Nikki and Aisha. And I was like, what? So it does happen, but not usually in the finale. I feel like they were trying really hard. It was close, but I think they were trying hard to make it even seem more in question when it seemed pretty straightforward. But I guess we should we move on to there is one more task, Jess. We have not reached the end. We got to make an irrigation system. Yeah, and I watched this like three times and I'm still not sure I actually watched it. Yeah, it's there's a there's not much. I mean, we had a few questions where people were basically like, yeah, that was really boring or something. And it's one of those things where I think there's, again, a part of me that says this is interesting. This is something that feels local that is not really boring or something you can't do anytime. This seems like, wow, that's cool. And then there's another part of me that's like, yeah, this isn't very exciting to watch. This is this is just people putting together pipes 
And the most impressive thing to me was just how big the area was when you, when they pulled back. But beyond that, I mean, there was something where, of course, originally Anthony and James had a hard time getting it, getting the pipes all together. But I don't have a lot to say about this. And they showed it for a decent amount of time, too. It simultaneously felt like we saw 10 seconds of this and four and a half hours of this. (laughs) And it was probably three minutes. It was like (laughs) such a nothing burger. It was a cranberry flavored nothing burger. And we did get a couple of fun shots of Anthony falling on his face. But other than that, there's absolutely nothing to recommend what should be an epic final task leading up into like the heart pounding finale. It was just like, nope, we're going to put together the sprinkler and then they're going to put together the sprinkler and irrigation. It's so fourth grade social studies. <laughs> I also should mention that Sarah fell in the creek too. Oh, that's and right. Then yes. she, <laughs> and she's like, I'm supposed to jump hurdles. <laughs> And of course, did not see the creek. You know, they're, they're just maybe there need to be something else here. I don't know what it would be, but I hate. I mean, maybe you put together the irrigation system, and then I don't know. You got to do something else. I don't know what that other thing would be, but something hard that maybe could introduce more. I wouldn't say randomness, but something that would make it feel more epic. I mean, maybe I think all the pieces were there, but there was just a little more we needed. Because just putting together the system and then, oh, my goodness, the water went. <laughs> it's like, yeah, OK, OK, let's um, let's move on. This is about it. Yeah, I think the problem with this leg was that there were two semi-interesting tasks loaded onto the front of the leg and then the rest was just sort of falling action. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking about with the memory task where it's interesting to me to put it at the front. But in order to offset that, you have to put something else really great at the end. And if you don't. Then plus once that, like I said, once that roadblock was done, I know that there were chances and I'm sure that if um, that Sarah and Sam would probably say, oh, we had a chance here and here and here. But it didn't. It really felt like that the like I mentioned earlier, the, the first roadblock, that was the last chance everyone really had. And then, yes, teams were close, but my guess is it was at least 15 minutes or so. And I'm just throwing out that number. I have no idea. But we didn't see the teams in the same shot. And my guess is at least there had to be a bit of time. That's always the number that teams give us when we ask, like, how much time do you think it was? They always say about 15 minutes because that's a respectable amount of time. It's like we weren't too far behind, but we were far behind. Yeah, we got to film John reading off all the things they won and, you know, six provinces, the, you know, the kilometers, everything. Sorry, kilometers. as it says. <laughs> But um, basically, we got all that without another team running in. Though I sometimes wonder if they, um, if it's not a foot race, if they hold up the next team so they can go through all that. I was thinking about that this time when I thought it was pretty close. But basically, they didn't have a lot of time, like I mentioned, left in the legs. So they finished and there was 30 seconds of maybe something weird will happen. And then they were there. It was interesting. And I don't mean to be too down on this finale. Even the Santa Claus thing, there was a lot of fun moments in this finale. This is not a bottom five finale of all Amazing Race seasons I've ever seen. To me, this is somewhere in the middle. It's just that I feel like the leg design was a little off where shuffle things and add a few different things and this could be great. Yep. It was just a little wonky. That's all. Yeah. So they won. Congratulations, <laughs> James and Anthony. Yeah, they got some really big hugs from Arthi and Thinesh. I would say it. I think Thinesh almost knocked him over. But um, I like the excitement. I appreciate when teams seemed happy that they were there and that they won. There wasn't any real weirdness at the end. 
you know, lots of hugging and excitement. And just to say, Anthony and James, um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like because the season's kind of been up and down at times in terms of leg design and such, I want to make sure I get them their due because I do. I think they've had a really interesting story. I think they're good winners. They I've enjoyed watching them the whole season. And so I don't want to yada yada their win or anything because I think they deserve a lot of credit for being an interesting team that also did a good job on the show. Yeah, I definitely they won some legs. They were always right up in it. They did get saved by a keep on racing leg at one point. But apart from that, they were pretty strong racers right around leg five was I felt like they really started to figure it out. And then they just kind of they stayed up there the whole time that they needed to. And they were fun. They had a great attitude. They were strong competitors. I really don't think we can be mad at this outcome. Uh, I also wanted to give one one shout out to uh, something that is really fun to track while you're watching everybody hug at the end. Just follow where Dave and Arena are because they're like milling around on the periphery of all of this. They never touch another human being and they're just trying to look like they're a part of it, but nobody is engaging with them at all. I did notice that. And especially when I thought about the moment, the penalty takers moment, when they were that they had that kind of awkward moment where everyone was hugging and they were kind of standing on the outside in the same way. And this was also that they seemed granted. I appreciate the fact that they didn't make it about themselves themselves which team we've had a few teams in the past do but there was definitely a little bit of um a little difference there which i think they would readily admit they i saw an interview um that came out recently where they even talked about kind of how they approached the race and friendships with other teams and such so but it seeing that moment was it was kind of glaring to me i i think the show tried very hard to show like any shot whatsoever where David Arena were not very obviously on the outs, but they really didn't succeed. <laughs> no, they didn't. You freeze frame that. It's, it's not going to look great. But, um, but yeah, they like we've talked about a lot this season, they brought a lot to the show. And, you know, I'm sorry that you didn't get to be here for the episode when they went out after all the chatter we've had. But Mike and I dug into it pretty good. But they brought a lot to the show. But they definitely were a different type of team, especially than even the last three teams we saw on the show. And, you know, I don't feel like I've missed all that much not getting to podcast about it because I feel like every time the media mentioned Dave and Arena, they added us on Twitter. So I think I got the whole experience. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, did, so did I. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. But, you know, we had the other teams finish and Sarah and Sam you know, they were wearing their, they didn't have a word of the episode. I felt kind of gypped, but they did. They both were wearing their shirts with both of them have um, organizations that they lead that are helping a lot of people. And they talked about being proud to be Canadian. And of course, Lauren and Joanne with their Saskatchewan flag were, um, were cute when they finished too. I thought that was a nice finish for them really being the first team from Saskatchewan and kind of finishing on an upbeat note. Yeah, it was it was great. This is a perfectly fine outcome to a race and everybody in the top three left with an overall good impression, I think. Yeah, it was a good final three. Um, you know, basically, I know some people said, oh, well, Dave and Arena are gone. It's it's different and whatnot. But I, I think it worked out OK. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, Dan. So is there anything else we want to say to put this to bed before we get on to some questions? Well, I did want to mention that, you know, at the start of the season, when we drafted our teams, oh, so long ago, back in the 
long ago days of June <laughs> when we did this. Seems so long we, ago. Um, I, we did make a bet because, you know, last season we had the kiss count contest where I was very successful. This season, we just did a simple thing where who would pick the winner? And I, while I was very happy to have a team in the finale, of course, Anthony and James were your pick. So I did want to, and the, the person who did not win would make a charitable donation to Charity of Our Choice. And I did want to mention where I'm going to be donating money, which is to a Team Akamengmuk Presents Restore Harmony which is Anthony and James have set up a GoFundMe and it's basically designed to call it building a cultural healing center on Kwin Cree Nation. And I think it looks like a really good effort and you can find out more about it by just basically Google. You can look up Restore Harmony and Anthony and James and I'm going to definitely make a donation to that cause and I will also tweet it out so that you can easily locate it. Yeah, I'll I'll do the same and I know I don't strictly have to because I picked the winners, but I'm going to go ahead and make a donation as well. Well, that is nice because <laughs> we knew you were going to win anyway. No, but I think I think it's really cool. And they are definitely Anthony and James. I appreciate the fact that they are so invested in their community and support some really great causes. And so I want to help them out with that. Yeah, I, I think that's commendable. All right, so let's get to some questions then. Yes, let us do it. For one last time here, questions on this season. So I wanted to mention first, of course, that there were many different reactions to the finale. So we have, you know, Felipe Shaman who said, was it just me or was this super underwhelming? Then Devin Miller says, was this the best finale of any season of, of The Amazing Race ever? And AM wasn't as big a fan. Again, like kind of said, we talked about, I mentioned yada yada, probably pulled from AM actually, but some of the interesting things got pulled back. So, and then Ron Chan asked, where do we rank the season? Well, I, we don't know if we have to go through the whole rankings, but just kind of in general, I'm curious, Jess, we've talked about it a lot, but where does this finale fall in general for you with Amazing Race Canada? Because we're seeing, obviously, some people loved it and others not so much. So how did it work for you? Well, Dan, the funny thing about the Amazing Race in any iteration is that the two least interesting episodes of any given season are the first episode and the last episode. The first episode is because there's so many teams, you don't know what's going on and they spend so much time getting to know them that you don't really get any super compelling tasks. And then the last one is because you've tipped the balance the other direction and it's more about the tasks than the teams. And with only three teams out on the course, you see so much of everything they're doing. And I think this leg really attempted to mitigate that by giving them so much to do. Like they did many things. Not all of the things were good things. So I think it's a step in the right direction, but I don't think I would rank this up there with like the best things we've ever seen in an amazing race finale. Yeah, I agree because it's it's one of those things where I think back to finales and I think, you know, what was, what was interesting? Oh, I remember when the Tims got lost in the zoo and then it came <laughs> back. That was an interesting finale. Or I, I really remember season four as being, and I can't tell you anything about it, but that season, especially because it had such a strong group at the end, 
had a really good finale and great winners. So I feel like there are examples where it could be good, but you're right. In general, the fact that I barely remember, it seems like I remember the bad stuff in a lot of finales more than the good stuff. So, I mean, I remember this most recent U.S. season had a very solid finale, but that almost seemed more like the exception. And again, was the fact that we had a really good final three. But there's only so much they could do. So much of a finale, I feel like, is based on a team generally gets ahead and it's hard to catch them. The best finales are typically when they're like last season, we did see a case where there was a lot of flipping around of teams. And when that happens is when it gets more fun. But in general, it's they're often kind of forgettable. I, I would agree with that. Here's a here's an interesting question for you, though, Dan, and it's not even off of user questions. This is just a question I have for you. Do you think this finale is better if Dave and Arena are there and lose, as I said, was their destiny. Yeah, probably. And it's only because the editing of this season has focused so much on them. So when I mean, and I'm not going to get into this whole they made the season and all this stuff. No, if there was other teams, they would focus on the other teams. It's just that because they're on the season and there was so much involved with the way that they interacted with other teams and the way the other teams interacted with them, that was a big story this season. So when you don't have that, it does feel a bit different. So to me, I'm not saying that, oh, if they were in it, this would be amazing. Let's say the tasks are all exactly the same. I mean, would it be that different? I'm not sure because I don't feel like as I watched this, I kept thinking, wow, I wish teams were arguing or they were really like (laughs) saying bad comments. That wasn't really what we missed. It would add more interest, though. Like if they were doing that roadblock and let's say Dave was doing it. I can't imagine if Arena was doing it. But if Dave was doing that task and Arena was on the side just talking trash the whole time about how he was the best ever and how he's (laughs) an expert on extreme sports and, you know, the whole thing. It would be different. It'd be more memorable. But I still don't feel like that would be like the greatest finale ever. I think like I think it would fit with the season story. But I think, again, them losing the leg before kind of almost sets up a different story for the season, which the show really nailed home, which is we're proud to be Canadians and we have integrity and all that, which I feel like the show really did kind of push there at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I I think. I think they make it a little bit better, but I'm happy with the story that was told for sure. Okay, so the great Mike Bloom had a question that I thought was kind of fun. In retrospect, how much fun was the running motif of Sam and Sarah at the sign-up boards? They always seem to have issues with them, and arguably it cost them the win. It was fun, and actually, too, the, yeah, the fact that they're such fast runners. But they also had issues not even just at the sign-up board. You saw the case where they couldn't get their clothes on fast enough at the Dempster's thing, I think was one of them. Or, you know, they always seem to be, or the, yeah, well, the sign-up board with uh, the pens. That was the big one I think Mike's referring to. But yeah, it was weird. I think, I don't know. I think exasperated Sam is like my favorite thing of that team. Just him just kind of having that look like, oh my gosh, I can't take this anymore. And the sign up boards were a lot of that. And they also were the only ones who ate the cliff bars. So I think they were cursed by eating too many cliff bars, Jess. That's my answer. Is that it? Like, was it too many cliff bars? Or was it not enough Cliff Bars? <laughs> well, they only took one box. Should they have taken two boxes with them of the really old Cliff Bars that we've already figured out are not actually one they can eat? They're legacy Cliff Bars. <laughs> exactly. Now, at- I feel like there was kind of an interesting through line. And we also, the show made a point where there would be moments like you saw in the airport where Sarah and Sam were like running the Olympics, where like Lauren and Joanna are like, my goodness. you know. <laughs> so we did get to see them running in that way, but they always seem to have 
something else happen like this time where they outran them. And I think they were the first team into a cab, but then just couldn't seem to make it all work. And I think that is often their story and that at times they were better than everyone. But being an Olympic athlete, being the best athlete does not always lead to victory. I mean, Dylan and Kwame were very good last season, but it didn't mean they were good at all the tests. And they also were a team that kind of had weird things happen to them a lot, too. Yeah. Or you could go back to Nick and Matt, who were professional wrestlers and arguably very strong team, and they didn't make it. Yeah. There's a lot of examples like that. Uh, Megan and Natalie. Hello. <laughs> yes. Teams usually do well. I mean, you pick that team. They're generally not going out first week, but they're always there's intangibles like we've seen with most teams that win. I mean, last season's a little tricky because they they did really they were I, Adam and Courtney are great. But for most of the season, they were not the in team with the intangibles that would pull ahead. They pulled ahead at the end this season. You kind of saw that in Anthony and James, where, again, they had a lot of weird. What do you say weird? They had a lot of different past experiences that allowed them to be good at the task that a lot of other teams worked. And I think the athletes who almost have a single minded focus. I mean, Sarah only eats chicken and broccoli and rice all the time. So she couldn't do as well in the jam last week. So that have more of a single minded focus might not have done as many things like use a drill. Yeah, agreed. It was kind of James and Anthony had sort of a slumdog millionaire season and <laughs> Sam and Sarah are just really fast runners. Yes, they are. They're fast runners and they generally stay pretty cool under pressure, which is helpful. And that's why they got as far as they did. All right. So I I did want to point out this isn't really a question, but the moment Kemper Boy brought up this moment. I love and this. His question is, I'm going to read the whole thing. What is the cutest thing that has happened on this season of The Amazing Race Canada? And why is it Lauren saying, hey, buddy, I'm going to need one thing from you. Okay, don't bust your face. And he says, I don't have a sister, but Lauren and Joey make me wish I did. I love what I love about that, Jess, is the fact that Lauren says it in kind of a serious voice at first. She's like, okay, we got something I need to tell you. And then says that. And I thought that was the best part of it. It's such a it's such a dynamic. It's just like it's a mood. It definitely is. Um, and I, I loved it, too. And I actually I saw this tweet before I was able to watch the episode. And then when I hit that, I'm like, wow, that is even so much better than Kemper Boyd set it up to be. Yeah. And I their relationship was was fun all season. But that kind of big sister, little sister kind of way that they act is not way that they act. They actually are big sister, little sister. <laughs> it's the way that they act makes it sound like it's like an act. But no, it, that moment really encapsulated that really well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so I, I think we should just bring it home with this uh, this comment from Tia, which I thought was is just a really good encapsulation of everything the show is. Um, she says that Canadian television shows struggle with finding funding. Canadian Idol only had six seasons, so you think you can dance? Canada had four. Big Brother Canada largely survives due to the RHAP support. True facts. The fact that we are at seven for Amazing Race Canada is awesome, and it's probably not down to our support. So there's that. <laughs> uh, so to summarize, Amazing Race Canada is doing well enough to succeed in a challenging production market, and I'm here for it. Casting team hasn't faltered, and it itself is a Canadian classic, proud, humble, multicultural, and diverse. Uh, co-signing all of that. Yeah, I, this is a really good way to encapsulate the season because, you know, we've had issues, even as you hear in this finale, we've had concerns with some of the leg design. You know, we can say, oh, I, but part of that is because the Amazing Race Can is competing with itself. It's been so good 
during some past seasons. And I know this is kind of like, oh yeah, of course you would say that, but it's true. This is not a terrible, amazing race season. This is not a season where I'd say, this is not one I'm going to reference like season 24 that we've made jokes about and such. To me, this is a fine season of The Amazing Race with a great cast. The, the challenge is Amazing Race Canada is so good that you've got to be even better to stand out more than season two or season four or whatnot. And so, but I, hey, this is a perfect time to say the show's been renewed. It's coming back next season. It's been announced, Jess. This is, this is really exciting to me. And the ratings have actually, they started strong and dipped a little and have been really strong, at least through episode nine. So I think it's great. And I'm, I'm excited that they're coming back for a season eight. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited as well. It's rumors of Amazing Race Canada's death have been greatly exaggerated. Yeah, I mean, John, you know, he's pumped. I can I can feel it. <laughs> it's like another year. I got a job. But no, really, it's it's fun. I'm excited. And I think even though this season staying in Canada and some of the things they did, there could be improvements. But I think the show's going to do that. I would I would expect them, and I have no background to do this, I expect them to go international or do something more like that next season. And I think we're going to be back just enjoying the show again next summer. Yeah, and I can't wait. I mean, I think I will find plenty to do in the year between now and then. But (laughs) this has been a really great summer. I've enjoyed watching this. This has been a great cast, a really fun season. And of course, podcasting with you is the highlight of my week, Dan. Oh, thank you. Same here. Yes. So uh, before we close things out, I just want to thank everybody again for making this such a great season of television for us to podcast about. We've really appreciated all of your feedback and all of the great comments you've made. It's really helped keep us going. Even when you're being combative, we we love you anyway. Um, So I guess I don't need to give you guys advice on how to watch The Amazing Race Canada. You guys are on your own. But I will put in a plug to invite you all to become patrons of Rob as a podcast, uh, because even if you don't get regular weekly tips on how to watch Amazing Race Canada, if you're not in Canada, you can get lots of other cool things, including access to the aforementioned secret patron only Facebook group. And there are many tiers of support that you can get in on that. Um, and we greatly appreciate that. Uh, you can become a patron by going to robswebsite.com slash Patreon. And if you like the show, I hope you subscribed. I guess we don't need to do all that either. Well, I feel like it's the last day of school. I'm just cleaning out my desk <laughs> and throwing everything away. Uh, we do like comments. We would love to hear what you thought of the finale. You can leave a comment on robswebsite.com or you can find us on the social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at HaymakerHattie. And I am at the Dan Heaton. And for the last time, I will mention that I also do a podcast about theme parks called the Tomorrow Society Podcast, which is interviews with people that are experts on theme parks or I've worked behind the scenes. And I recently went to Walt Disney World and I'm going to do a big trip report on that, which should be out next week if I can pull it all together. So if you want to keep hearing me on a podcast as we go forward this year, you can go to Tomorrow Society. Dot com. And I also wanted to mention really quickly that as far as RHAP, if you become a patron, you also can really dig into Survivor South Africa. And what I'm hearing, Survivor Australia, which I have not watched yet, but I've heard is amazing. So there's some really good shows, kind of like Amazing Race Canada, that you can really dig into. Yeah, if you want to get deep into the weeds of international reality TV, I think there is no better place to do that than the Rob Has a Podcast patron family. For sure. 
Um, as for me, I'm taking two whole weeks off from podcasting, uh, but The Walking Dead comes back on October 6th, and Josh Wiggler and I will be back to talk about everything that happens in the upcoming season, and that's going to be something to look forward to. And in the meantime, you can find some feature articles that I'm writing over on primetimer.com, which is unrelated to Rob as a podcast, but is about television anyway. This week, I wrote up a little preview about all of the things that I wondered after watching the teaser trailer for the new Netflix series, The Island. And I also have a piece coming out this weekend about a new talk show that's debuting on NBC by an actual Canadian named Lily Singh. So we'll see what that's all about. Um, and one of the questions we've been getting a lot from the populace is, are we going to do something for Amazing Race Australia? And I wanted to let you guys know that that is still very much up in the air. But if that's something you want to see, please get on the Twitter and tweet us your support of it. And that'll help us gauge some interest. I think at this moment, we will do something. I don't know if it'll be every week and I don't know how hard it will be to track down the episodes. But I know that we've had a lot of fun this summer. And schedules permitting we'd like to do something for it for the fall but what that is yet i do not know so that is our show i'd like to thank dan heaton as always for joining me on this incredible canadian journey rob sesternino for giving us the platform scott st pierre behind the scenes all of the patrons of rob has a podcast and all of our listeners around the world take care everyone thanks <laughs>